All right, welcome to our second episode of All Things Bible Study. We are your hosts, Solo Kifle and Ari Prado. Okay, coming at you from Alameda, California. And um, we have some exciting things um, planned for this episode. Uh, Brother Prado, go ahead and tell us what we're in for today. Yeah, so uh, periodically throughout every show, uh, we're going to take a little bit of time to do some, uh, if I could use the term hermeneutic. And what I mean by that is um, we're going to discuss what we mean by certain words um, so that there's just clarity uh, in the conversation and also in what you might be hearing um, on your end. Today, we're going to talk about what we do not mean by the term or the word or the phrase Bible study. And as you can imagine, Bible study could mean uh, somebody sitting down and just reading their Bible. Or as we're about to discuss in just a few seconds, Bible study can also mean uh, several different methods that people utilize to win the lost. So before we get into this, I'll just break down the format that we're going to run through this very quickly. First, we'll talk about what we do not mean by Bible study, and then we'll conclude with what we do mean by Bible study. Uh, We will come back then and talk a little bit about the pros and cons uh, of each uh, definition or each method of evangelism. So first, we are going to talk about what we call shotgun Bible studies. And uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, Yeah. Brother Keefley, what we mean by shotgun Bible studies. um, I think the best way for me to communicate it is through a bit of a personal story. I think almost all of us who ever taught Bible studies have these. And um, I use them... With success, of course, and I also used them more to my frustration uh, because I didn't understand that they are simply a tool that belongs in, in, in the toolbox, um, one of many different tools. And um, so th- these shorter Bible studies are usually in paper form, and all of the material can be covered in about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, very quick, very short, usually involve a chain reference of scriptures, usually on uh, salvation or topics like the oneness, um, uh, Jesus' name, baptism. And um, this, is, this is what we mean by a shotgun-style Bible study. They almost verge on tracks. like Yes, paper tracks. Like, yeah, like there, chick we, tracks would probably be their, their earliest ancestor. We, yeah, we, we all have these in... Man, you've got it in the back of the first Bible you ever got as a kid. I mean, they're, they're in there. Um, or they're sold in bulk. Right. So when we say Bible study... We do not mean these. This is actually not what I'm thinking of in my head. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's so... And everyone thinks of something differently when they yes. hear the phrase Bible study. And I think for the purpose of, of what we're doing here, I think if we could just clarify... For those who will be listening of what we mean, what we do not mean. And so when we're talking about Bible study, all things Bible study, this is not the primary thing that comes to our head and that we are discussing. Right. Number two, uh, we do not mean uh, cell groups. Um, And before anybody starts getting riled up about the first two, uh, let us just say that 
we believe both of them have pros. We also believe that both of them have cons. But when we say the word Bible study, we do not mean uh, these shotgun style Bible studies, these smaller tracts or whatever you want to call them. Neither do we mean... um, If if we were to go back a few years, we'd probably use the term home Bible studies. But um, neither do we mean... uh, Cell groups. We do not mean cell groups. And there's a bit of a nuanced difference. There is a nuanced difference. Cell groups is getting closer to what we mean by Bible study. A li- yeah, a little yes. closer. Yes, it, it would be like its distant cousin. But uh, um, uh, we do not mean cell groups. So when we say the word Bible study, Brother Keefley, why don't you tell us what we mean? And why don't you tell them... Uh, what we are going to mean throughout the rest of these episodes when we use the word home or Bible study. When we use the phrase Bible study, we are referring to a systematic, strategic, um, usually weekly teaching of the entire Bible to an individual or a couple of individuals Um, And this study will usually span from Genesis to Revelation, cover all of the major points of the Bible. And to to emphasize it like this, we are studying the Bible, like the entire thing. Yeah. This Bible study will not last an hour. It will not last two or three or six weeks. You know, some people think six weeks is like a long Bible study. When I, if someone agrees to sit down, I'm immediately thinking a year out. I'm, th- I'm thinking 50 hours with this person. Yeah. 52 hours. Yes. Minimum. In fact, I was... We're playing the long game. It's the long game. And we, uh, we affectionately call it the slow grow. Yeah. That's kind of something you might hear us say throughout these shows is um, we, just, we just started using the term slow grow because that's really what it is. We're, we're taking the long... We're playing the long game and we are, we're slow grow mentality. So... This is a unique approach because, number one, um, it takes a massive commitment, massive dedication um, to dedicate that much time to one individual or maybe a couple. All right. That's a lot of time. I spoke with someone who, who teaches a, um, a, you know, a very fair amount of Bible studies, and he said when he sits down with someone, he's actually thinking two years. I mean, that's... That's longer than I think. And so the, this is – now, I'll say this. He was from the South, and we'll talk about the differences, you know, demographics and things – and geographics, uh, things of that, um, of that nature, how those can affect the length of a Bible study. Um, we're thinking way far, far out. Well, and in some cases, we might even be thinking uh, not even – I. I would say I'd go in with a minimum year's time, but I'm ready to go two years. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm also ready to embrace the fact, and, and maybe we'll talk about this, I guess, as, as we progress. But yes, uh, I'll, I'll just put that on pause. But yes, we are talking the long game. The long game. Slow grow, Genesis to Revelation. So here's the question. Why does this work? So... Here are the scriptures that I've kind of buried in the back of my head that continue to give me faith. Um, and that is faith comes by hearing 
hearing yeah. by the word of God. The reason why these are effective from my perspective um, is it actually gives the person more opportunities to actually have their faith built up. Yeah. This is the way I, because I, I know that this may come as a shock to a lot of people, like going for a solid year and a person is not committing to anything. anything. Yeah. That's, that's a massive commitment. Well, for those of us who were raised in church and got the Holy Ghost when we were seven, eight, nine, ten, some even older, this is actually the same principle that is being applied. It's yeah, just, this is actually what's happened to you. If you were raised in if church. If you were raised in church, you were ex- repeated, indirectly. Yes, repeated exposure to sound doctrine will make a disciple. Yeah. At what point the conversion occurs? Is another question. Is up to the is up to the heart of the individual. But my Sunday school teacher just did not quit on me at six years old. You know, yeah. and so we we actually tend to treat you know children in a way that we wouldn't treat adults. But I've learned that the word of God is can can break the heart of a child and it can break the heart of an adult. You know, um, and so this is you know to those who say, man, that's too much time. I don't have that much time to to win a soul. Well. Uh, Jack Yance is famously remembered for saying, you may say that's too long, but how many of us have won a soul in the last year? Yeah. And so, well, let's do this. Let's, let's go back and we'll talk about the pros and cons of this style of Bible study. Yeah. But let's talk about the pros and cons of the first two kinds of Bible studies that we mentioned. Yeah. And then we'll come back and we'll kind of close out with why we believe that the method that we've been discussing and our definition of the term Bible study is the most effective. So let's start off with the shotgun Bible studies. Let's talk about why those work, where those work, uh, how they work, their pros and cons. So I'll, 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 I'll just kind of jump in and say this, and maybe you could tag in on this. Mm-hmm. Um, we are on the West Coast. Um, Pastor Keefe pastored uh, for a few years in Berkeley. Uh, I'm in Alameda. We are just a stone's throw away from San Francisco. But either way, we are on the West Coast in the Bay Area. Um, and what is not uncommon to find out here when you do outreach and you're on the streets, I remember us doing outreach years ago uh, on the UC Berkeley campus. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And I attacked um, you for having a piece of plastic. Yeah. My, our outreach efforts turned into a big debate and discussion about the use of plastic water bottles. Yeah. We were giving out water bottles in hopes to make some contacts, and that became the focal point. But... Something that's very common in more progressive areas, and let's just be honest, the um, the world uh, the world is smaller and it's flat with the internet and communications. But let's just say this: I can go up to somebody on the streets in the Bay Area, uh, out here in California, and I this might even be applicable to several uh, different coastal cities and cities in the East Coast and West Coast. Um, and I could, I could open up my shotgun-style Bible study and say, hey, look, 2 Timothy or 1 Corinthians or whatever says this. And immediately, that what I've come to find out, that those little shotgun Bible studies are making a huge assumption that the person you're talking to already believes 
and the credibility of the Bible. And just reveres the Word of God. And, re- and has some reverence in their heart to the Word of God. I have discovered that some people will say, what does 1 Corinthians have? Any, why would I even believe? Why would we even start a discussion in 1 Corinthians or Timothy or Genesis? And so I feel like those Bible studies can get stumped right off the bat, at least in certain locations. Because somebody can just fire right back at you and say, I don't even want to discuss anything regarding God, religion, eternity, existence, et cetera, et cetera, uh, beginning at the Bible. And those, I found that the shotgun Bible studies make a huge presupposition that the person you're talking to already reverences, reveres, or acknowledges the Bible. And you can get shot down really quick uh, trying to use those Bible studies. What are some cons that you've seen? So um, my experience is is different. I think it's equally frustrating, but it's, it's different. Um, and that is I was encountering people who who were hungry, but who were biblically illiterate and did not even understand the urgency of why they needed to be rebaptized. Right. If because or or baptized at all. Right. And so I was essentially using the shorter Bible studies as like my bread and butter Bible studies. And I don't know why people don't just want to convert after 45 minutes of talking to me. Like, yeah, it, it was just real frustrating. So, but let me rewind and say, what is the biblical precedent for a short Bible study? And I actually think there is a biblical precedent. So we're talking about pros and cons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the biblical precedent is Philip the Evangelist in Acts chapter number 8 talking to the Ethiopian eunuch. But let's dissect why that actually worked. Yeah. And all the times a shorter Bible study has ever worked for me is when, number one, the Ethiopian eunuch had gone to Jerusalem for to worship. He actually already worshipped the one true God. He was actually already a, a, a person of faith. Yeah. In addition to that, he was given to studying his Bible. He was given to reading his Bible. He had one. He uh, had one. Which most people did not. Yeah. All right. And then another... Here's another reason I would bust out a shotgun Bible study for talking about pros. If there's someone I know is biblically literate, will understand what I say. So, but here, here's the perfect part, because this is where it fits in perfectly. He was biblically literate enough to know what he didn't know. And yeah, Philip Philip says, do you understand what you are reading? And he says, how can yeah, I, I unless some man should guide me? And on top of that, he's not just biblically literate enough to know what he doesn't know, but he's actually looking for someone to tell him. So if someone just walks up to you and says, I'm reading my Bible and there's something about the scripture that I am not seeing. Can you tell me? Like, I want to obey it. So then by all means, by all jump, means right, jump, jump right, right in, in and find something. Cons- and it says from right there, consolidate, he preached yeah. Jesus. He went, he went through his chain reference. You know, obviously it was Old Testament chain reference because that's all they had. And by the end of it, there was, there was enough conviction and enough biblical literacy and understanding for the Ethiopian eunuch to say, here is water. What would hinder me? All right. So these are great when someone is biblically illiterate. Um, knows their Bible, knows that you can can guide them and direct them. This is a this is a, a very rare opportunity, right? So rare that God will wake 
an evangelist up in the middle of the night to make yeah. sure that the need is met. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, uh, another place where I think these might have some... So I'll say two things. I think that there are certain parts of our country as well as the world as a whole where the people are more biblically literate, they're more religiously inclined, they're already generations in Christians, whatever. Uh, I think that... I think location affects everything. I, Absolutely. I, I don't just disregard it. So I think that there are some places uh, in this country where you can go and the shorter shotgun Bible studies, they work. But let me say this. Um, I think that the shorter Bible studies also work when you are dealing with people. And this is a great topic. Mm-hmm. Just this alone is a good topic and maybe deserves its own show. But I think that shorter Bible studies also work when you're dealing with people who are not accustomed to reading a lot. Hmm. And something that I've come across a lot in, in my last few years is people saying, you know, pastor, I'm just not a reader. So one thing that I always do when somebody tells me I'm not a reader, um, because I don't believe you have the option to stay that way unless you have some sort of um, genuine, bona fide, cognitive, you know, issue. You know, maybe you're dyslexic or whatever. Then that's that's something different. But I think that everyone needs to become a reader. I think, you know, the, the Lord said that he wanted a nation of, of kings and priests. And the one thing that, that both a king and a priest had in ancient Israel, and there is, there is this connection being made to that, was access to the law. Every king of Israel even had to have his own copy of the law. So God's gold standard is that people are reading. Reading is a gift from God to humanity. Yeah. But one thing I do constantly is I assess what kind of material the person can read. Sometimes when people say, I'm not a reader, what they're, what they're not saying is, I have trouble reading. What they're actually saying is, I have trouble reading for long periods of time. Yeah. So that's when I explain to them, well, then perhaps let's start off with shorter, shorter um, you know, reading uh, material, magazine style, news, newspaper clipping length reading. So that's sometimes where I think that these Bible studies also come in handy when the person you're teaching just is not accustomed to reading a lot. I will say this, though. I have seen some of those shotgun Bible studies that have a lot of reading in them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're like small little pamphlets that you could take home. But I've seen some that open up and like they keep unfolding it. Yes. Yeah. They like sneak up on you. Yeah. Like eight feet long. Yeah. Before you know it. Yeah. They're like, yeah. So I think that they also come in handy there when the person feels that they're not good at reading big pieces of of material. And so you kind of you kind of work with their weakness and you kind of build them up towards being better readers. Another pro is this. So, and I, I do anchor a lot of this in the in Acts chapter number eight. Again, Ethiopian eunuch and Philip, and that is Philip knows he actually doesn't physically have much time with this guy, and I think if you can just yes. hand someone a pamphlet because yeah. we print them out like by the hundreds, thousands. Now you're not gonna, <laughs> you're not going to get your exploring God's word like fifty two week long Bible study and just hand it to somebody. Yeah. What you would do if you meet someone on a bus and you know they're hungry and you're, man, you're on a missions trip somewhere and you have that Bible study, give it to them. Yeah. Give it to them. That, that right there is just unbeatable, you know. 
if you don't have, if, if this is your only shot with this person and it's 10 minutes and you just simply don't have enough time, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, yeah, time is time. So, time, be it literal or the person, like, as you said, might be in a hospital bed and you just don't have. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're maybe you're traveling. Remember, they're, they're traveling. Yeah. Um, another thing that you said that really stuck out to me is assess the assessment. And this may be a bit of a rabbit trail from our overall topic, but I think it's important. And that is, how do you know which one of these to use, right? And I think ultimately, if there's any skill that I really do pray that God would just help me um, to develop as a Bible study teacher, and just really as a soul winner, is the ability to assess somebody's situation quickly. Yeah. Where is this person at? Where do I need to start with them? Um, and I think... When, when your ability to assess is as sharpened and, and, and you've got it in practice, man, you'll know, you'll know where to pick up with someone. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So now let's talk a little bit about um, – and, and let's, let's take a quick pause here and let's just say this uh, before we go any further. Uh, we believe that the issues we're discussing today are a matter of good, better, best. Yeah. We're talking about 30, 60, 100-fold. We're not, we're not even discussing any more bad ground. We're talking about we're all on good ground. We think these are all, they have their positives. But we're, we're trying to figure out how to go from 30 to 100. Right. And, and really produce the disciple that, that God wants. Um, so let's move forward. Let's talk a little bit about cell groups. And I know that before we started recording, I had asked you what your exposure was to cell groups. Um, when I say Bible study, I do not mean cell groups. I have done cell groups. I've seen cell groups work. Um, Could you explain? Because I think there's a lot of maybe younger people who maybe don't remember the cell group, if you could say, craze. And and they're still big. Um, you know. Um, I feel like it was a lot bigger. It was bigger before. Um, before. But, well, yeah. I mean, it's sweep through. The, the Pentecostal movement, I think, was... was it's still, I mean, I still see churches do it. It's very big in the denominal world. Um, they call them home groups, small groups. Or hybrid method. Yeah. Um, this is why, so, okay. So in these cell groups, and I, I, for anybody listening in that practices them and feels like I'm doing it in injustice, please just know that I am, for the sake of time, giving the most simple explanation of what a cell group is. A cell group is... Um, it is where a group of people get together in a house. Um, there is a host. The host is not really there to teach as much as they are to, de- to guide. And it is more of a discussion format. There will be a brief lesson. Um, and then there's question and answer time. And then there's fellowship. And all of those play, in my opinion, when I've seen them practiced, a rather equal I think of subgroups as a very flat, circular, very open, like platform. Yeah, it's it, it, yeah, it it veers away from any kind of like it's it's very circular, uh, yeah. and flat. Um, and in fact, sometimes these subgroups people they'll say things like you know circles are better than rows. Yeah, and there and 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 so there's this. Yeah, they're just very flat and circular. That's not a bad thing. I'm just that's that's That is what it is. Yeah, that's how I envision them. Okay. Why do I think that cell groups 
Why do why am why do I want to clarify the fact that I do not mean cell groups when I say home Bible studies? Even though cell groups may get together and uh, study the Bible, um, it has been my experience. Now somebody might be able to hit us up on Twitter and correct us. Um, my experience with cell groups has been that um, number one. Uh, they're, they're discussion-based. So where I take – where I think there's a bit of a con there, um, where I'm – is when you look at the scriptures, um, you, you already brought it up, the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch recognized that he did not need to go into a dialogue with somebody, but he needed someone to tell him. Yeah. Okay. I have hosted cell groups, and when you go through the pro through the through the cell group training and all that, they tell you that the less you talk as the host and as the conductor, whatever they call them, uh, the the lead or the whatever, the the better. You're not really there to like preach to them or teach to them. You're there to guide the discussion. You're almost passing the mic, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Um, there's now there's some pros to that. But if you are talking about indoctrinating and discipling an individual, you cannot leave it up to them to yeah. guide the discussion. Yeah. It's perfectly okay if discussions break out and there's this – they should because you don't know how well you're teaching until you listen to your student. But the student needs to be taught. The disciple needs to be discipled. Yeah. And that does not happen in a flat circular format. Yeah, while Peter was yet speaking. And that's where I was going to go next. Acts chapter 10. The Bible says, while Peter yet spake these words, not while they discussed, not while Cornelius jumped in and, you know, I will say this too, just on a side note, one of the things that's kind of scary about cell groups and that kind of got me, uh, it was a deal, like we had to talk to our cell group leaders about it several times was, man, you could open up a can of worms on a question. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and once that can is open, it's just depending on what was asked. Yeah. It, yeah, it could get really bad. It could get messy. Another thing, and, uh, and I'll, I'll let you jump in here, but I want to say this. Another thing that I'm kind of concerned about when it comes to cell groups is, so we know, uh, I, I am, I, the more and more Bible studies I teach, the more and more I am, I am really in favor of Getting that one-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-two, to me, one-on-three is already sketchy. Yeah. Um, Unless I have a family, then that's different because there's already like hierarchical structures built into that family. But in in the sometimes in cell groups, it could easily just break out and like there's they're too big for me. Yeah. That is too big, and um, I just feel like. And maybe perhaps some people would say this is very narrow-minded, this is small-minded, this is micro-thinking. But I'm, I'm out there trying to really produce disciples, indoctrinated, fully furnished uh, people. Just established, you know. Yeah. In my experience, I'm not afraid to say this. I am not afraid to say this um, because it would be true of a, of a student in a smaller classroom in a school as it is a person in a church. The more intimate the interaction a person has, the more one-on-one, the more focused attention they have with their teacher, their instructor, their their disciple, discipler, whatever you want to call them, their mentor, their 
the better they're, the, the better they're going to come Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What has been your experience with subgroups? Um, you know, I remember being in a lot of them as a kid. And um, I just remember just sitting down and the focus of the room would just transfer from one person to the next person to the next yeah. person. And uh, to, be, to be honest... Even as a kid, I, I sensed the the lack of the lack of structure. Um, I personally have never hosted one, and as a minister, I've never been a part of one, so I can't really speak to it. I think you spoke to it from your experience, you know, pretty pretty definitively. Um, yeah, no, I, I, but but knowing what I know about them, looking back now, I I do agree that. A setup where there's a definite teacher and there's a definite student and where dialogue is is welcome at the appropriate times as opposed to where dialogue is the structure. Um, the one area where I do feel like a cell group type meeting would work is in a youth group style. Where there's a lot of kids who are all in church. As in like a retention. Yes. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah. But, and man, I, yeah, because you just, you, you never know. You, you never know. Um, I've taught Bible studies and I've had students who, who, they were just talkers. Some people are just talkers. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And um, man, if you're teaching someone who is not so biblically literate, Man, they're, they're just going to have a whole segment. You know, I've had a whole segment where some lady was just obsessed with Joyce Meyer, you know. And that's all That's all people know is TV preachers. And, yeah. And when you open up a platform and, and people are just essentially getting their Bible information from the TV, like you just never know what's going to happen, you know. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think that. Yeah, I think that both cell groups and, and going back now um, to the shotgun style Bible studies, I think that one thing that, that goes on is that they don't really let the Bible shine. Yeah. And one of the beauties of the Bible is that it's not only true, it's honest. Yeah. And I have found that it's really important that people see the Bible's Honesty. What do you mean by true, true and honest? So I believe the Bible has, you know, very valid truths. Like as you, as you read through Proverbs, you could see just these real Proverbs is, is a book where you just, it's very nuts and bolts, you know, cause and effect. If you do this, you do, you get that. Right. Right. But then the Bible, that's a truth, but then the Bible is really honest and it'll tell you that uh, Abraham should have never even, you know, had a child with Hagar. And that was a mistake. Yeah. And that, and so the Bible, the Bible's not just true. It's honest. It's honest. Yeah. It's honest. Right. And when people see the Bible's truth and honesty, scripture after scripture, book after book from Genesis to revelation. Yeah. And it happens throughout the whole Bible, their appreciation for the word, their attachment to the word, their, their their comprehension of the word, their embracing of the Bible, I think is that much more stronger. True. And 
to further to further document what you're saying, um, I've been in a Bible study now for oh, I would say going on um, man over eight months with with a family, and we baptize the mom and the dad and um, high school age daughter. She's very close, and I knew from the beginning. She's coming from a, her she had, she's, the, the mom is coming from a Catholic background. The dad is actually coming from a Buddhist background. Yeah. All right. So just to let, just to give you guys maybe a, a sneak peek into like, you know, a Bible study, real demographic in the Bay Area. Yeah. A Filipino mom, um, and coming from a Catholic background, she had experience with some very very ultra charismatic churches where. They were blowing on people, and people were falling out. All right, so I knew she was going to have trouble with speaking in tongues and things of that nature. Um, the beauty, the beauty of the Bible study, as we are referring to it, as in over the long term, yeah, is she was able to see, and as you were talking about, she was able to develop that relationship with Scripture. But by the time I got to Acts chapter number two, she's like, "Tell me more." Yeah. So I knew she was already on guard. I knew that. Um, and um, that was just part of the assessment. I, I, I'd known, you know, I'd heard it through the grapevine. She went to a church and she just ran out of there. So she's very, very on guard when it comes to Pentecostalism in her eyes. Yeah. But we'd already established that relationship personally with our families and also with the word of God to where once I read it and it was it was in bold writing in her own Bible. Yeah. She couldn't, she couldn't get away from it. Yeah. I think, I think something too that I wanted to talk about was the fact that even if you were to, okay, and this might be debatable for some people. I do not believe this is debatable. I believe that God's golden standard is that those who are able to, and there are, right, there are exceptions to every rule, but I believe that God's gold standard is that people are discipled. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. That, yeah, people are to be discipled. I believe that discipleship embedded in that word is, is, is the concept of a biblically literate person. That person understands um, the concepts of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, they, 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 they are versed in Scripture. They know how it works. Uh, etc. So even if somebody comes in through a cell group, awesome. Even if somebody gets baptized off a shotgun Bible study or evangelistic track, whatever, pamphlet, Boom. awesome. But you're still back at square one. Yes. So you're still back at the fact that God's gold standard has not been met. Absolutely. Because even people who do get baptized right off the street and receive the Holy Ghost, what is the first place they go? Discipleship. Yes. So if you use the if you use these two methods awesome but I think that you cannot use these two methods in lieu of or in place of um a a bonafide um I don't know what's a a bonafide discipleship uh experience yes a discipleship oriented bible study so now Let's talk about what we do mean by Bible study. Yeah. Uh, 
you want to you want to jump into that? You want to explain what we mean by the word Bible study now, and let's and let's talk about the pros and cons. Um, we'll probably talk more about the pros. We're, we are biased we're towards bi- it. Yeah, yeah we're obviously biased. we're biased. Yeah. Okay. But let's talk about what we mean now by Bible study. So we mean what? The most classic example, and, you know, if you're one God apostolic, Jesus name, Pentecostal, you know what search for truth is. You know what exploring God's word is. That's like, really, it's like household name. Yeah. Um, that's what we mean by Bible study is the type of Bible study and I've already alluded to this, mentioned this before, that is designed to take a biblically illiterate person from the beginning to the end of the Bible. And, man, there's a whole, you know, um, several weeks ago, someone posted on social media, you know, when you teach Bible studies, where do you start? Plan of Salvation or Book of Genesis? And um, someone did, like, one of those, um, like, survey things on Instagram story. I was actually very, very... I was actually really happy to see someone asking that type of question because I felt it's it's the type of nuanced question that only someone who teaches Bible studies would ask. Right. Um, and I was actually just, man, kind of just really happy to see that question being asked. And then also to see the variety of answers. And um, I think there is no right or wrong there. Once again, the key is assessment. But most people, most people dealing with our demographic and what we're trying to do and that is plant churches need a steady consistent stream of bible yeah now we, uh and let me just jump in there those are the common uh bible studies that maybe a lot of our listeners would be familiar with yeah there's more there is there, more. there's more um i would even be totally i would even accept if somebody sat if somebody said you know um I sit down with my student and we just start in Genesis and we're going through the whole Bible one-on-one and we don't have any kind of um, chart. We don't have any kind of a manual. I'm just going book for book, uh, subject for subject, theme for theme. I I think I would consider that within the realm of what we're talking about when we say Bible study. So there's obviously flexibility. Yeah. But but ultimately, um, it's more of a long-term, slow-grow line upon line, precept upon precept, faith is getting built up. And at any moment, this is the way I like to think of it, conversion can occur at any moment during this, let's just say, 52 weeks. It can happen at week three, or it can happen at week 13. But conversion doesn't change the fact that we're still going to finish that Bible study. Oh, that just, honestly, that just amps me up. I'm like, now we're really going to lock this in. Yeah, and the Bible study might even go a little deeper now. Exactly. Yeah, it might take on a more. Di- yeah, it will because number one, they have the Holy Ghost now. Yeah, and you yeah, you could talk about different subjects now. Or if they get baptized earlier on, um, my approach to baptism throughout the rest of the Bible study may be a little different. Um, so, so what else do we mean, right? So we this yeah. Is, what, what else do we mean by Bible study? And also, I guess we can discuss the pros. What do you think are some of the biggest pros to teaching Bible studies in this style? So the biggest pro that I have come across as of recently that it, that, um, that has really uh, stood out to me has been this. Um, I'm currently planning a church and um, a few, probably a few months ago, um, I was just getting really stumped as to like, okay, um, man, I, who's going to do the follow-up? 
who's going to do the Bible study? Who's going to do the discipleship course? Who's going to do? Yeah, who's going to do the? Um, I know right where this is going. Yeah, exactly. But then, like as as our church got out there and we started teaching more and more Bible studies, and we're teaching several now. Um, I like Bible studies consolidated all that. Yeah. It it it's the new converts course. Um, as you know, we, I encourage people who teach Bible studies to call their contact twice a week. Yeah, that's something we mentioned. So you're doing, fo- yeah, you're not just, yeah, you're not, you're not just doing new converts course. You're also doing follow up. It is highly efficient and organic. And you're also doing fellowship. Yes. Because right, so you have follow up, fellowship, and uh, and discipleship. Yeah. So. A Bible study with a person does all the all three of those. Yeah, it just keeps you committed to that process week and in and week out. As a church planner, or even if you're a, a good member of a church with a busy schedule, you could really knock out a lot in, in one sitting and a few text messages. Absolutely. And one phone call. Yeah. So this is how so it's I, very manageable. It's very it's very manageable. And here's another thing. So this is the way I've I've always articulated it to myself, and that is, it consolidates efforts that have recently become separated by more of a corporate style uh, church staff. So man, your home missions, you do not have a church staff. And yeah. I made now I'm confessing here, you know, and, and hopefully this hopefully this helps another home missionary. Yeah. Like when I first started, I was that guy with ten people and ten departments. Like don't don't do that. And staff meetings, and yeah. Like don't do that. Yeah. At that stage, you just I just needed to be I needed to be teaching Bible studies and teaching people how to teach Bible studies. And that's it. Yeah. And that and that is it. Organization comes when it is necessary. A group of ten people is fairly manageable, you know. And so I, I'm speaking to the home to the home missionary crowd right now. You know, I'm not talking to the big church. Um, however, however, I have observed much larger churches and even talked to a few pastors of larger churches who started their church off of home Bible studies and still are growing their church now into the hundreds. Yeah. Through Bible studies. And so what I've observed from, from the home mission side is that I don't have to stop. I don't have to. Yeah. And what I mean by that is it is scalable. So it's organic, it's efficient, and it's scalable. It's a very efficient use of, of manpower, of man hours. Yes. And so maybe you're a home missionary, maybe you're an actual missionary. I think in any small setting, the most efficient use of an individual is to teach them how to teach Bible studies. Because as you said, ingrained in that is, man, you learn how to make phone calls. You, mean, you, you learn how to follow up. You learn how to be punctual. Yeah. You learn how, guess what? If you're if, if someone you're, you're teaching is in the hospital, guess what? You now have to learn how to do a hospital visit. Yeah. And these are, in fact, I got a Bible study from a hospital visit. Like, that, yeah. I, I taught it. I went to the hospital. Then I discovered the person wanted a Bible study. We taught them in the hospital. And in fact, I'm still teaching that Bible study. Yeah. And baptized two people um, out of that Bible study. So it, 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 it's, let me say it like this. It is very apostolic, the places you will go yeah. and the things you will have to do if you commit to the process 
of Bible study. Yeah. And I think for the church planners out there that may be listening in, um, I think it's important that to know that it, it's just, um, I, it's a slow grow and there's embrace a lot, embrace it. And there's a lot of delayed results, a lot of it. I mean, it's, but I will say this, it, you know, Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a man who plants a seed and he wakes up day and night and he knows not when, yeah. when the seed is going to spring forth. And then one day he wakes up and it just comes forth. When I, when I, when I turned, Beautiful. when I when I focused my attention, back, I, I got. I, I've only been doing this. I've I've only been in the current church plant that I'm in right now for three years. So right around year now, year one, I actually started literally just teaching right off a chart, and um, my very first service was just with the chart, and um, I did good. I um, within a few weeks we got up to about you know fifteen twenty people. Um, and then uh, by year two, we kept growing, and then uh, probably about you know, at towards the end of year two, we hit like a wall, and uh, but we we had already gained some momentum, so I'd actually stopped teaching Bible studies because we were now just having kind of a natural flow of visitors. We had a little bit, you know, we had a little group going, whatever. But then I started feeling stuck, and God really dealt with me like. Hmm. Why did you stop? Right. Why did you stop doing what you, why did you stop doing what won you? Why did you stop doing what you saw work in your last um, uh, ministerial experiences? Why did you stop doing what has always worked? Right. And I think, I think something that a lot of people need to understand is if boring works, work it. Yeah. If it, if it is not broke, do not if it is not fix broke it. do not yeah. fix it and it's this is the truth when you're on bible study 30 there's just nothing sensational about that yeah you know they all have their moments right yeah. every bible study has its moment but every, every lesson when you sit down with it, but it has its moment but there is a bit of a routine to it yeah the, the, it is routine and let me interject this I, I am a full-time minister, right? I'm, I, I've been privileged enough to, to become full-time rather quickly. I travel, but I have two kids. I have a wife. Um, I have other responsibilities. Uh, now I'm, I'm administering. I'm doing all kinds of other stuff here. But um, I will say this. One of the most comforting things about teaching Bible studies and being in a routine is that it's not like preaching where I have to think of material to come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually able to relax a little more and know that I only got to read the manual for about 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. And the information's there and I'm, I'm just there to, to, um, to run through the information with the individual again. So it's been emotionally, stress-wise, mentally, it's been a huge relief. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I went back to teaching Bible studies and it took a while it just, it took a while. And I could even tell you that there were probably times where people were just looking at me, scratching their head saying, man, I hope this works. But before, um, before I knew it, my calendar was just booked Yeah, and it's sta- and it's still booked and it's still booked. And I, I want to say this, cause I think this, the, hopefully this helps a home missionary. There are, there are home Bible studies that I go teach 
that those people have not been to church yet, and we're eight months in. Absolutely. Um, there are Bible studies that I teach to people who um, do not participate at the level that I wish they did. But on principle, I keep myself in the flow. So I, I'm going to step out here, and um, and I think I want to add to that. Yeah, jump in. I started doing a lot of Bible studies. I got gung-ho, and that's exactly what happened. Two, three, four, five Bible studies, people are not coming to church. Um, okay, what's wrong? What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with them? And this has happened to me three times. I was on the verge of saying, I'm done. I'm not yeah. doing this. This is too taxing on my faith, on my expectations. On my, Not on my faith, on my expectations. And I just remember... I got finished with a Bible study. Lady was in tears, and it was just one of those God moments. And she just looked up. She got up. She grabbed her checkbook, and she wrote a check. Yeah. And God, and God spoke to me then and there and said, you, you, she, deserves, she deserves another Bible study. You'll come back. Yeah. And I felt like God was letting me know and really humbling me and saying, you're on the right track. Yeah. You know, and... Man, another time, same thing happened, same exact thing. I was just reaching the end of my patience and my expectations. But really, once I made the mental adjustment, um, I man, I, I'll take a Bible study. It, it won't bother me one bit whether they don't come to church for the first several months. Um, so, th- but God really had to deal with me and let me know that just because someone hasn't stepped foot in my building does not disqualify them from Acts 2.38. And as a home missionary, you just it's very easy to get building-centric. And, um, you know, I listen to a lot of Jack Yance. He's just, I feel like... Shout out. <laughs> shout out, you shout know. Out, and he, this is what he says. He says, the true test of a home missionary is what can you do without the building you want so bad. And, and that convicted me. Yeah. That, man... And man, all of us, you know, right? We would all be having rock in church if we had the building we wanted. All of us, right? But man, the, yeah. he just we laid. Hope, yeah. We hope, you know. Yeah. Um, there is such thing as big empty buildings. True, and I, man, and I've and I've been I've seen I, that I've before. Seen that, yeah. I, I grew up in that, you know. Yeah. And um, you actually don't want that. That's a whole other discussion. However, what can you do without that building? What can you What can you do knowing this person most likely will not be in church next week, but knowing one day everything. All the hard work you've put in, all the good seeds you've sown into the good ground, it's just going to sprout. Yeah. And so I guess if we were to say um, that taking people through a systematic, long-term study of Scripture, if it had cons, if, if we could, I don't even want to use the word cons. If it had challenges, here's what they would be. Number one is the delayed result. The delayed result. The delayed result. I'll never forget years ago a message I heard by Brother Larry Booker. If you've never heard it, go listen to it. Awesome message called, I planned this when I was in my right mind. And those of you who've heard the message, it's a classic. You know what I'm talking about. But he basically tells a story about a guy who's in the military that had an intense mission he had to carry out. And he planned that mission when he was totally sane in his right mind. But then as he got to doing the mission and carrying it out, 
he felt like he was going cuckoo. <laughs> All right. And he just had to keep repeating to himself, I planned this when I was in my right mind. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of those moments when you're teaching home Bible studies. You're just going to have to keep telling yourself, I planned this when I was in my right mind. Because yeah. I'm not, I, yes, I just, this is the plan. This is the plan. This is the plan and I'm going to carry it out. Yeah. I'm not seeing results. There's nothing coming out of the ground. But I planned this when I was in my right mind. And I'm obeying biblical principles. It's going to work. Number two, I'd say the other challenge of this is that you really are, there's just a lot of days you don't see what you want to see. Yeah. Right. This is what we, this is what we refer to that as the tension. Yeah. There's tension. Yeah. If you're teaching multiple Bible studies per week, there's a, there's a certain level of tension that exists. Yeah. You, you do have to get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's tension. Um, I, I, I'll say this. Um, I have experienced the same level of spiritual intensity attack going to teach a Bible study as I have to preach any major conference, etc. Wow. And I, I'd never... And, and and those of you who, who know what it is to preach out or even minister in your own pulpit, right? There's that Saturday night battle. There's that, oh, yeah. there's that week before the struggle time. Yeah. It's struggle time. It's fighting devils and just whatever. Um, I can tell you that I realized how powerful home Bible studies were when I started getting the same attack to go teach my home Bible study as, unreal. as I was to go preach a major conference or a revival when I was an evangelist. So, um, there's just a lot of, uh, there, there's a whole element to just plowing away and teaching home Bible studies that just involves a lot of unseen things and a lot of tensions and a lot of, you know, just a lot of deals. So, but just stick to it. I believe it works. Um, you got to have a plan. Um, I think that assuming... And you, you were talking about this, so I'm kind of coming back on this. Assuming that the building, maybe you're fortunate enough to have a wife who plays, or let's just say this, opening the doors of a building is not going to be enough. Yeah. And it almost, to some degree, does not matter what you do inside that building. Uh, I, I'm... There, there just has to be boots on the ground. Absolutely. There has to be boots on the ground. At some point, you got to leave the building and go out there and try to win a soul. And probably the next few episodes, wherever we can, because I, I know right now there's probably people out there listening saying, how do I get a Bible study? How do I get one? And that's just the show in and of itself. But I'm going to say this. At some point, you got to get up off the ground you you got to open up the door of the church and you got to walk out of that building and you have to have church beyond the walls. Right. You just have to, you have to have church beyond the walls. You have to get into somebody's home. You have to meet with them somewhere. You have to give them the word of God. Um, and you just have to get out. It, it can't stay in the church. Yeah. I think I remember you saying, um, man, I think it was at a conference I heard you preaching and you said, it's not about filling up the building. It's about emptying it out. Yeah. And I don't, and let me say this. Well, 
this is not this where I'm throwing this in there because this was not part of uh, our 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 transcript or whatever. But um, I will say this: when we say home Bible studies, we don't mean home church either. Yeah. Because um, I, I don't want to drop no names because I we're not here to attack anybody, uh, and these people would not be of our of our rank anyways. But here in the Bay Area, there's a there's a very large group of people that do not believe in buildings. They have home church only. They make a big argument for five people in a house with the pastor over it, and that's a church. Um, now, I don't know, um, but we're not talking about that either. Yeah, We don't mean that either. Um, in fact, one of the reasons that we do keep groups small is because it also helps avoid nasty church splits that can happen. Yeah. It, it can help avoid uh, someone thinking that, man, I got... 10 people in my Bible study, I should just branch out who needs a pastor, who needs a building, who needs, you know, whatever. So we're not talking about home church either. We're talking about real deal discipleship. Yeah. Going out there, going through the Bible with somebody and, and doing it. Um, in our church, when we first got started doing this and making a big plow, a uh, big, a big push for this and plowing, there was really initially there's only three of us. And at the time I think our church was running maybe I don't know 30 or 40 people. So roughly only three of us, you know, maybe four of us were teaching Bible studies. But now we've we've kind of we've broke through the delayed results. And I'm just as we sit here, I'm I'm stressing out as to how to keep up with all our Bible studies. Yeah, good problem to have. Yeah. That's a good problem. Beautiful to have. problem to have. Yeah. Wow. All right. Any closing remarks? Man, I, we covered a lot of ground. We did. Hit us up on Twitter if you have questions. Yeah, question, comments, um, concerns. No, just questions and comments. Yeah, <laughs> we're 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 trying to keep this trying to positive. keep it positive. Yeah. And, and we, we do we do want to have some form of dialogue with people who are teaching Bible studies or curious about teaching Bible studies, and um, man we hope to we hope to hear from people and man hopefully we get to just discuss you know some of the questions that are out there. Yeah, and uh, we hope to be uploading also some um, some sermons that we think might bless you. Uh, they're not by us, uh, but some sermons that we listen to uh, at night to keep us inspired and soul winning and teaching Bible studies and uh, pounding the ground and uh, winning souls. So look out for those. uh, And uh, we'll try to get a few more episodes up ASAP. All right. All right. We're out. God bless.